to it this morning. Join me and let's pray. Gracious King, thank you that we can sing of your Son and what you have done for us in him and who he is now to us, not just because of who he is, which is enough, which is worthy, which is glorious in itself, but because of what he has become to us, because you've opened our eyes by faith. So he is now not just an idea, not just cosmically true, not just objectively glorious. He is beautiful to us. He is our treasure, our love. He is our righteousness. We thank you for sending your son. Exalt his name here in this place. I pray through me. I pray in spite of me. I pray, Holy Spirit, you do your work by your word and you be glorified and raise up the Father and the Son. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. There are four accounts of the life of Christ in Scripture, four Gospels. Three Gospels speak of Christ from the ground up, letting us learn who He is as we go. But one tells us about Jesus from the top down, the Gospel of John. John writes of the Nazarene, his friend and his Lord, whom he calls the Word. If we had time this morning, we could talk about the Hellenistic background of that word that John chooses to speak of Jesus using the Word, rich and powerful in Hellenistic thought, clearly conveying the idea from the opening words of his gospel that this one is unique, divine, timeless, and glorious. But even without all of that, there's enough for us this morning. This revelation of Jesus in these opening words of the Gospel of John gives us, give us a unique starting point as we celebrate this morning this baby in the manger. Join with me and um, let me read John 1, starting in verse 1. He writes, John does, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. First, we see that this baby is worthy of our worship. This baby is worthy of our worship. Notice right off that John tells us that the Word always was. He always was. John says, in the beginning was the Word. This is Genesis 1 kind of language. This is creation kind of language. John is purposely echoing the opening words of all of Scripture in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Except here, he says, in the beginning, when that happened, when everything was made, in the beginning, there already was the Word. So he's telling us that this baby, the Word, we'll, we'd find out in a few more verses. We don't have time for this morning, but you know the story that this Word is Jesus. This Word already was. He always was. John's gospel then from this introduction will go on and show the divine wisdom of Jesus as, as his enemies try and trap him and he 
honestly and openly answers their questions in ways that leave them in quandaries. John will show Jesus' supernatural knowledge of he knows as he knows about people's pasts and where they've been, as he knows their thoughts even as they stand before him. John's gospel will demonstrate for us Jesus' sovereign authority, that he has power over sickness and even over death. He has power over all of nature and over the supernatural. He commands, he speaks, and everything obeys what he says. This baby is worthy of our worship because he always was. This opening verse also tells us in no uncertain terms that he always was all that God is. He is God. That's the third phrase of the opening verse right there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wonderfully, powerfully dense, packed theological language in a little Greek construction at the end of John 1.1 there this morning. Jehovah's Witnesses purposely mistranslated, by the way, because it doesn't fit their theology. But if you just go back down through the rest of the Gospel of John in the original Greek, there will be two, three, four other times that the exact same construction they will translate appropriately. But, but not here, not this one, because it doesn't fit. If, if we had time to speak this morning about a, an anarthrous precopulative predicate nominative, we would. But who has time for such grammar? All we need to know is that John, inspired by the Spirit, has said this in that little four-word phrase in my Bible, the Word was God. Better translated or more fully translated, all that God was, the Word was. That's what John is saying. And he's used a perfect way to say it because he's avoiding the thought that the Word was the Father. The Word was with God, but He was not the Father. But all that God was, the Word was. That's what that little phrase says. Enough to know for this morning. Jesus will show His eternal character throughout the Gospel of John, and He'll say things like, before Abraham was, I am. He'll say things like, I and the Father are one. And the Jews there standing around on those dusty roads will get exactly what he means, enough to know that they should pick up stones, and they do, to stone him for blasphemy because, quote, you are making yourself out to be God. Smart boys. And also in his prayer, he speaks to the Father, and he said, Father, I had glory together with you before the world was. He always was, and He always was all that God is. And this baby is worthy of our worship also because He always was with God. That's the little phrase in the middle of verse 1 I skipped over. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He has an eternal, intimate relationship with the Spirit and with His Father. A, a beautiful community that out of which he created humanity with the idea that we would have relationships that in some way would be a, a glimpse of the, that closeness, that intimacy, that richness, that joy. And yet, probably more than anything else in the universe, relationships can 
bring the biggest pain into our lives, right? I, I had a mentor when I was in college who he told me, you know what, Frank, in your life, relationships will bring you the greatest blessing, and they'll bring you the greatest troubles. And that's a true statement, isn't it? Stuff is difficult. Things are hard. Finances can cause stress. The future and a myriad of other things, but relationships are the pinnacle. Why is that? <laughs> because the being who created everything thought that it was pretty important to demonstrate his nature as a communal being by those he created, being communal, relational beings. And this one, the word... He always was with God. In the Gospel of John, we will see in unique and profound ways Jesus' intimacy with the Father. As Jesus prays to His Father, You loved me before the foundation of the world, Father. He is the only begotten Son of God. And this baby, who always was, who always was all that God is, and who always was with God, this baby is worthy of our worship. Next, we see this baby is sufficient to sustain. This baby is sufficient to sustain. Verse 3, all things came into being through Him, the Word. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has, that has come into being. Wow, John, sounds like you're being a little redundant there. And he is, to make the point. He first says it positively, and then he says it negatively, but he says the same thing both times. All the stuff that is, is stuff that he gave isness to. He made it. He created everything. And all the stuff that isn't, isn't because he didn't is it. Of all of that stuff that doesn't exist, he didn't make any of that, but all the stuff that does exist, all of that he made. We notice his existence, that he created everything. But in fact, the declaration of this passage goes even just a bit deeper than, than creation itself. He is himself <laughs> existence. That's what this passage tells us. And, and trust me, for a first century Jew to have the audacity, to have the daring to claim anything to be God because there are people who died for such things. That, that is ultimate blasphemy. So this one whom he knew in the flesh and walked with and, and laughed with and cried with, he called this one all existence is an amazing statement unless he's either crazy or utterly convinced. He is existence himself. We've kind of already seen that a little bit in verse 1 because he already was back when everything else was brought into wasness. He already was. But I want you to notice something else. There's a verb here that's used four times in the opening two verses. In fact, I think it's the only verb. It's a super short, simple little verb, easy to pass over. What is that verb that I have said many times? Was. Great. Then you get to verse 3, and what happens? You get a new verb three times, and it's a different verb than what we've just had, but it's the same thing all three times. And what is that new verb? Came into being. You see the contrast? 
So John here speaks of the Word because the Word was. And then everything else came into being. But the Word never came into being. Because contrary to the early church heretic Arius, there never was a time that the Word was not. He never came into being. He always was. And in fact, His wasness is the source of of all existence, of all things. And because He is existence Himself, He's never at a deficit. I mean, how much trouble would it be? How much lack would you have if you could make anything is if you wanted to at any point? He Himself is enough. He's enough for you today and always will be. There is never a time he can fail to be enough if you know him. You can't help it because he is existence himself. He is sufficient to sustain you through anything, sufficient for your, your seasons of despair when you say, I've lost hope. There was a time when I had it, but I just don't, and I can't gin it up. I don't know where to go to seek it. Go to him because he is enough sufficient to sustain. He is enough for your days of emptiness. There was a time when I thought my life had a meaning, but this crisis has come, or the world has changed, or this didn't work out the way that I thought, and I'm just not sure that I know now what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm really wrestling in a way that I never have before. Many of us have thought this for maybe... The first time in our lives or in the deepest way in our lives in the last two and a half years, right? Unprecedented, the age we've lived through. But He is enough for days of emptiness. He is enough for waves of grief. Maybe you've lost someone this year. Maybe you've got a diagnosis this year. There are things that it is right to mourn because good things get lost in a broken, imperfect world, and it is right to mourn them. But when the waves continue and they beat upon us, He is enough. He is enough when worries over the future come. What will next year bring? It's only a week away. Can you imagine what it will be like at the end of 2023? Answer, no. I have no idea, but I don't need to know because I know him, and this baby that we celebrate is sufficient to sustain because if you know Christ, he has committed to sustain you and to keep you, not that you be good enough to keep yourself. Oh, yes, you're commanded to keep yourself in the love of God, the book of Jude says, but the writer of the book of Jude the half-brother of Jesus, also at the same time in that tiny little book says, and he will keep you in his love. He is sufficient to do that. So I don't know. I don't know what 23 brings. But I know that he who exists is enough for any worries I may have over the future. He never wrings his hands. <laughs> He's never been surprised. He never comes up short. 
Hebrews 1 says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. That means every moment of every day in all existence, Christ himself by his word is holding together every molecule of everything. And the moment that he decides not to hold together all things by the word of his power, then every atom of every bit of matter in all of existence explodes into oblivion simply because he decides to cease allowing it to exist. And one day he will say the words that this same John, through a vision, heard him speak in Revelation 21. We will, if you know him, hear him say as well, Behold, I'm making all things new. He is sufficient to sustain. He was enough for Paul to sing in the middle of the night in prison his praises. He was enough for Peter when he was captured and sentenced and tried and then condemned to be crucified for Peter to say, oh no, don't let me die like my Savior. I'm not worthy. Crucify me upside down. He was enough for Peter. He was enough for James to be sawn in two. He was enough for the early Christians to rejoice when they suffered because they said, we are being counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. This is glorious. He was enough for them. This baby is enough. He is sufficient to sustain. And finally, this morning in our brief look at this little passage, we see this baby thwarts all evil. This baby thwarts all evil. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Notice that life is in him. In him was life. Well, if all being is in him, then that's a natural deduction that all life is in him. But what a beautiful meditation it is to consider that. John in his gospel will go on to show that this word, that he is in fact life itself. He will stand there, tomb side, uh, after the death of his dear friend Lazarus, and they will weep. And he'll say, roll back the stone. But my Lord, by now, it's been four days, there will be a stench. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not worried about a little smell. Throughout the Gospel of John, we'll see Jesus reversing sickness because he himself is life and health and wholeness. We'll see him fixing injury, healing people. We'll see him overthrow death itself and all manner of rottenness and decay. He reaches out to the unclean leper, and rather than the touch making him unclean, he who is life creates cleanness in the leper. Life is in him. And also light. Light is in him. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. John then in his gospel will, from this point, go on to show that he is, in fact, light itself. I am the light of the world, he will say, John chapter 8 and elsewhere. 
And then He will demonstrate for us what it looks like to be light walking on those dusty roads on two legs. What would light do walking in Galilean sandals? Oh, I don't know, maybe expose lies, confront evil, call out the oppressor, speak the truth, teach God's wisdom, proclaim release to the captives. I don't know, maybe some stuff like that that Jesus does, both through His power because He is life and also through His his illuminescence because he is light. This baby thwarts all evil. But that's not all. Now comes probably my favorite part of this whole little passage, rich and deep as it is. I don't know, it's my favorite for today. Ask me in a week, I'll have a new favorite. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's a wonderful Greek word that the Spirit leads John to use here in verse 5 for comprehend. Um, it's a word, as, as many words do, that can have shades of meaning. It depends upon the context as to what the meaning is. I think this is one of the places where you actually get a double entendre, purposely, a double meaning. The best single English word that I can think of to use for the one that my translation has as comprehend is the word grasp, because the two shades of meaning that I think are both in view here are, are the idea of grasp as in to, to seize or to grab or to hold. And then it can be used with the idea of to control, to be in charge of, to overcome, to conquer. You get it? You understand that meaning of to grasp? But we also, in English, use the word grasp metaphorically in another way. Uh, like you can grasp an idea. Do you grasp that? Yes, you do. And so it means to understand or to comprehend. And the particular Greek word here, there's a serendipity that we have an English word that works with both of those two shades, and it's grasp. And so depending upon your translation, you, you might have a statement here that the darkness did not comprehend the light, didn't understand it, or you might have, your translators being caught between the two, the opposite or the other, which is that the darkness did not overcome the light. Which is it? I think the answer is yes, because the darkness could do neither. And that's clearly demonstrated throughout the rest of the gospel. Darkness cannot seize this baby. Darkness cannot overcome. Darkness can't even grasp this baby, though it thought it had him figured out. John in his gospel will show him thwarting treacherous schemes as waves of religious leaders and powerful men and teachers will come to him to test him, taking their profound knowledge of the word and bringing it to him and saying, well, what about this? What do you say in the midst of an incredibly complex political climate so there's no good answer where he can't offend somebody? And he, the eternal son of God, stands there and goes, really? I wrote that. I made you. I gave you that thought. Are you kidding me? Here's my answer. And they go, oh, mm. And they hang their head and they walk away. Because after a series of tests come to him, Matthew records, after he's answered every one of them, 
And from that point forward, no one dared ask him anything else. John will show him hilariously stumping malicious opponents and thwarting their evil schemes to make him look foolish, which is wonderful. And yet at the same time, this baby who thwarts all evil will also, in his very same answers and very same interactions, by his answers, hold out life to these corrupt teachers. He'll point them back to the law that they try and use as a weapon against him, and he'll say, look, I can answer that for you, but let me tell you what's really real here. Now you go back to this word that you say you know. Listen to what I say, and if, if you have ears to hear, you will see it speaks of me, the one who stands before you is greater than any you've ever known. Just go look. Just go look. And so he pleads with them, even as he rebukes them. It's beautiful. Who could do that but this baby? And he welcomes home the unworthy from the bonds that they themselves has, have made. Praise God that he does. Or none of us would have the hope to come to him. He thwarts all evil of the evil one and of a broken world and of his malicious opponents and even the evil within. This baby thwarts all evil. Evil cannot understand him. He's inscrutable. But it also cannot contain him. He's indomitable. He will escape all schemes and expose all things. In what form has evil been a part of your life this year? Maybe you have had a hard diagnosis in these last 12 months. What then is your hope as you stare into the face of that little one in the manger today? Only this, that he has promised that he will reconstitute the bodies of those who trust in him into beautiful, sinless perfection. Subject to decay and corruption every moment that I breathe, but one day, no more. He'll make it all new. He will, quote, transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. He just has power over bodies. It's just not hard for Him. The sickness and corruption brought by the fall and the curse that has fallen upon all creation, that itself He will one day overthrow. This baby thwarts all evil. Maybe the evil that you feel this morning is relational. Have you been deeply wronged? What then is your hope as you stare into the face of that baby? Only this, that he will bring into perfect peace all who hope in him. First, perfect peace and reconciliation with himself. And those who may stand as adversaries with one another, standing at perfect peace with Him one day, will not be able to help but be in perfect peace once again with one another. Colossians 1, He will, quote, reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Do you have people in your life where your relationship is so broken that most of the time you're just bitter and you hurt, but in your best moments you think, I wish 
I wish I could just hold them close again. I wish I could laugh with them again. I wish I could weep on their shoulder. He fixes even that, praise God. And one day he will, for those who know him. This baby thwarts all evil. Maybe at the end of 22, you're just at a point where your experience of evil is that you're just exhausted with a world that is spinning out of control at times, it feels like. Your hope as you stare into the face of that baby is that he will reign again one day. And he will rule in righteousness. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this, Isaiah 9 says of the word. That's going to be a great kingdom to be a part of if your trust is in Christ. This baby thwarts even political and societal evil. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe the evil that haunts you most is, is not health. It's not relational. It's not societal or political. Maybe it's nowhere external at all. Maybe it's internal. Maybe the evil that haunts you most is that which you carry closest to your breast that you can never escape. The evil within you that rises up and rears its ugly head at times and stuns you at your depravity. And the Lord says, yeah, I know. And you go, really? Because I'm shocked. Well, this baby thwarts all evil, and he overpowers sin. But he does it in the most unlikely way, by dying. He comes to conquer corrupt hearts by giving himself and by his self-sacrifice to win hearts, to say, if you would do that, then what am I doing? Why would I grasp, oh, Lord God, forgive me, help me, for you have done it all. And then after dying and satisfying the wrath of his Father for our sin in my place, he raises from the dead to have the authority now to give new life and resurrect those that trust in him. <laughs> he who was delivered over for our sin and was raised for our justification, Romans says. And just in a few chapters from where we are here in John 1, in chapter 6, it will record Jesus himself self saying, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Do you know this, baby? If not, then will you come to him? If not, then the question that you have to answer is why? Because he offers to steal your shame, renew your soul, create in you a hope and a life that you do not have and have never known. This baby who is worthy of all worship, sufficient to sustain and thwarts all evil, why would you not? What do you have to lose? And does it, does it measure up in comparison? Do you? know this baby. If you do, then you know that he is worthy of your worship. 
and you say, he, he's beyond my words. He's way better than Frank's words. Frank doesn't explain him nearly good enough. He is awesome. And I am awestruck and dumbstruck when I stand before him and I say, Lord, you read my mind. Worship is seeing the worth of who you are and a soul willing to respond. You know he is worthy of your worship. Oh, come, let us adore him. We sing. If you know him, then you know he's sufficient to sustain. And you can say, yeah, in 22, man, I can tell some stories. I can tell some seasons. I can tell you some crises, and he has carried me through them all, and he has proven once again that he is enough. And if you know him, you know he thwarts all evil. We do not yet see, the author of Hebrews says, all things placed under his feet. Not yet. But I experience it every day that he thwarts this evil within me progressively, step by step. He is working. And we rejoice. Look at what you do to thwart the evil within. Do you know this baby? If you do, then he is your life and your light. And you rejoice in him this Christmas season. If not, then I humbly would encourage you, friend, ask for his light. Ask for him to reveal himself because he's big enough to do it in his way, in his time, if you are willing. Go to him and consider what you've heard. Talk it over with him and say, I know that you know that I don't believe any of that junk. But if it might be true, is there some way that you could help me know that? Because he can absolutely can and he does and consider who he is and what he does that would be our commendation for you all we know is that this baby he's worthy and we rejoice in him pray with me gracious glorious God our father beautiful perfect light giving and life giving son Wondrous, convicting, comforting, and directing Holy Spirit. Be glorified here now and have room to use your eternal word to do your eternal work in our hearts. We love you for it. We thank you for this truth that is even beyond what we can understand or explain. But we know it's true. Thank you for this baby, for he is our only hope. We give you glory for him and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.